Good morning and welcome. Patriot Radio News Hour. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Training Group. And our toll-free number, 800 to the website at allamericangold.com. And it is Tuesday, and you know what that means, yes. It's bowling night tonight. This is the night. We haven't won a single match all year, but I'm feeling lucky tonight. I've taken my CBD. My body's ready to go. My teammates, we're ready to win, Jason. Uh, we, we are winless on this. This is the final regular season matchup in our bowling league tonight, Jason. It's our last chance to win a match. <laughs> you know, I uh, I played on football teams where uh, you, you get one win a year. That was usually kind of the, the allotment. If things were really bad, you couldn't even get one win. And I always remember that one game we won. It was like we won the Super Bowl every time, that one game. <laughs> so, I, I'm going to say this. <laughs> There will be a lot of celebrating uh, by me if somehow we can actually pull this victory off. You know, because we're that team in the league. You know, we, we, we're the have fun team, you know. We're team fun, and, and uh, I'm, I'm just praying because didn't the playoffs start? And that just means uh, we're not going to win. So this is it. This is our big shot. The good news is, is the following week, win or lose, you get free pizza. That's all right. That that works good. We we had a little bit of that on Friday for the event, so that that always comes in handy, Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, this is it. I'll I'll let you guys know. But we were really close last week. You know, we were going into the final game, and it was one to one. Normally, we don't even have a chance to win. And then, uh, well, let's just say we got killed. But anyhow, uh, I know that a lot of you out there listening care about my bowling and pickleball exploits. Uh, I was on the golf course yesterday. Um, Yeah, and let's just say that uh, Helen Keller probably putts better than I do. Putting yeah. is putting yeah. is probably the only thing I can do with golf, Joe. I can't. I don't even. I've never even really taken a good swing at a golf ball. I'd probably embarrass myself. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not laughing at you because I played a lot of golf in my life, and a lot of people would be like, "Wow, that's your swing." <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I understand uh, where you're coming from. Yeah, but the the overseeding. Some of the car the courses are opening now, and. And cart path only. So I did a lot more walking yesterday. So I'm hoping that uh, that that's just prepared me uh, for the big bowling match tonight. And uh, like I said, I I got I took you know I'm all CBD'd up. I'm I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Speaking of ready to go, uh, gold's up about ten bucks this morning. The Dow. We'll see. It's early. Uh, but they've been on this losing uh, losing streak here. But right now, Jason, the Dow is up th- 34 points. Uh, but crude oil continuing to not cooperate. Uh, crude oil is higher. Natural gas is higher. Uh, gasoline is higher. Pretty much most of the energy complex uh, higher again this morning. We've got news out on that. Uh, we're going to also talk about the Chinese bond market. Uh, some more rumblings there. Uh, then yesterday we talked about how the coal shortage 
is growing. Uh, obviously, China, we know about Europe. Now, India uh, is having problems. The price of coal in China today hit a new all-time record high uh, as we continue to monitor these things. You know, when you have energy products, and I don't care if it's natural gas, coal, oil, but when you have them doubling and tripling in a matter of months, uh, that that is a, a very bad indicator of things to come. And then uh, this morning, uh, if, you're, if you like crap, I highly suggest you go buy, buy some today and stick it in the freezer. Apparently, the, uh, you know, the Baron Sea, I don't know if you watch Deadliest Catch, uh, if you've ever seen that program on Discovery, uh, the crab report, Jason, the crab report is in, and there are no crab. And the quotas for crab, and I and I, and I don't know that this happens very often, but the quotas for this year's crab season were cut 88% in the Bering Sea. Wow. You know, and when you talk about the way you're talking about it, it reminds me of trading places, remember, and the uh – Right. The, Dukes, the orange juice the du- futures. Yeah, there was the orange the orange juice report, and the uh, Dukes were going to use it to their advantage. It, it just seems seems strange and familiar, Joe, that uh, <laughs> you're giving people warnings about stuff that uh, continues to get, continues to get worse. <laughs> just, I was just like, well, of course, it just fits with everything else, right? You yeah. know the 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 amount of farmers now being paid not to plant crops. Along the, this is like Wyoming, Colorado, into Arizona to try to preserve uh, that precious water in Lake Mead and Lake Powell now. Uh, They're getting paid upwards of $900 an acre not to plant crops. And I'm just thinking, wait a minute, right? We've got uh, food prices skyrocketing, and the solution is, Hey, let's pay farmers to plant even less. Yeah, that's once again things are very, very wrong, Joe. I mean, uh, we got to talk about a bunch of stuff today, Joe. And I, uh, it, things are very bad. I think things are—we're not even close to how bad it's going to get, Joe. Yeah. Well, when we get back, what's going on in China's bond market? That's coming up next. Eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two Patriot Radio News Hour. Joe Jaquin, Jason Walker, uh, here this morning, and and we're gonna we'll get back to other information in a minute. But we, you know, there's so many things happening, and and you don't know uh, where to focus, right? What do we look at? Uh, you know, like today we had the jolts number out. Uh, that's a, a help wanted, if you will. Uh, fell by almost 700,000 jobs and get ready. That's going to, that number is going to keep falling here. Uh, the amount of people quitting jobs hit an all time record high. Uh, and, 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 uh, of course we're talking about inflation and what new all time every day. It's a new all time record high on, on something. Uh, but we're going to take the next segment here. And, and go back and start looking at the bond markets in total. The U.S. 10-year note uh, seemingly can't get above 1.6. Uh, 
even though the Federal Reserve is saying, hey, we're going to start taper, you know, and, and a couple of guys put a put a dot, uh, uh, filled in a dot on a chart saying, hey, we want to raise rates sometime next year, which is never going to happen, but neither here nor there. Uh, but then, you know, we brushed, what would you say, Jason, a week or two ago, we were talking about uh, Evergrande in China, China's second largest property developer, Yesterday, there was major problems in the Chinese bond market as some of these lesser developers are not paying their bonds. And and we want to touch upon that again this morning. Yeah, Evergrande, for example, is 11 days away from actual bond default. So that could be that might help you with <laughs> why you're starting to see some of the rumblings, Joe. 11 days. They, they haven't, there's no way out. Right, so we know that they've missed payments. But, you know, like a lot of things, okay, you missed them, but there's a grace period, right? You've got, hey, you got to make, we'll, we'll give you, you missed the official day, we're going to give you 30 days in this 30-day grace period, Jason, running out. Correct. Uh, the, the, the Chinese uh, housing market uh, is, is the biggest Ponzi scheme, besides uh, fiat currencies like the Federal Reserve, uh, you know, the Federal Reserve note. If you take the money aside, the, it's the biggest Ponzi scheme in the world right now. The uh, the, the bubble that is uh, ch- the Chinese housing market is uh, the bubble, the, the one bubble to rule them all. If you ever watch Lord of the Rings, you know, the uh, Sauron, the evil uh, uh, menace gave rings to the elves and the humans and the dwarves, and then he made the ring to rule them all. I, I'm, I can show you, Joe, that it's it looks like that this housing bubble, and it's a Ponzi scheme, is about to be probably the worst thing uh, that's ever hit the markets. Lehman Brothers is going to seem like a, uh, a, 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 a just a walk in the rain. This is this is a storm coming, Joe. A massive storm. It's going to be very interesting how China plays this out. I've got, I, I've, and I think everybody's trying to guess what the Chinese government is going to do uh, because these bonds, it's a mix. What I mean by that, it's a mix of currencies. Uh, some bonds are, well, well, you know, what would we say are renminbi bonds. In other words, these are uh, payable in the Chinese currency. But the the thing that makes this unique, and this is this is one of these things where uh, I always worry when you know the, the when you think about NAFTA, you got you got to go all the way back. To the you know because they were talking about new world order and all this stuff that's right uh, is in the eighties right and then came to fruition kind of in the nineties where really the play was J P Morgan and and Goldman Sachs and you know all these banks they wanted to tap the Chinese market yep and as China was developing. Most investors were like, "Yeah, we're not gonna. Yeah, we're not interested in buying a Renembi bond." So a lot of the bonds, the loaning, was done in dollars, which was great. The bank, and again, they all knew this. Hey, we're gonna get a slice of it. They need a dollar-denominated bond, so we, our bank, has to be involved. You know, and, and even if it was just. Uh, for some scraps, you know, China, that's a lot of scraps. 
You know, that, that's how big China is. Even if it was, hey, we're just involved just enough to just so we can issue the dollar bonds, we still were getting sliced on a lot of slices. Yep. The speculation is that China's going to possibly let the dollar bonds default and then seemingly, you know, kind of like our central bank now, but they uh, at, at a government level, they'll buy all the renembi bonds to keep the that that part of the market going. Uh, what are your thoughts? Do you, do you see something like that, or do you think this is going to be, no? you know what, the Chinese government's going to let it all go? I think they're going to let it all go, Joe, all of it. I think that, you know, let me let me do this. I got two parts here. This is you'll you know this will blow your mind because this information a lot of it just came out. Goldman Sachs and some other uh, banks ran some uh, worst case and best case scenarios for the Chinese housing market, and I'm and then China just released some housing data uh, yesterday. And let me you, you won't believe this, Joe. And I'm 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 putting this information in reverse from how I got it because. How big the market and the Ponzi scheme is, I'm going to put that after, which is it's going to blow your mind when you hear how bad this thing can be. Goldman Sachs ran two best-case scenarios and one worst-case scenario. So I'm going to just leave the best-case scenarios out. Let's just go to uh, Goldman Sachs, Chinese, worst-case scenario. New starts will be down 30%. Completions will be down 10%. Sales volumes down 10%. Land sales will be down 30%. 4% contraction in GDP. That is what uh, Goldman Sachs says is the worst-case scenario for the Chinese housing market. The, the new housing market for September just came out for China. 90% of the top 100 China property developers' sales declined 36% year-over-year. 760 billion yuan, $118 billion, uh, down 36.2%. 60% of the developers declined more than 30% year over year. Uh, the city of Shanghai is down 45%. Uh, Joe, this is really bad because if you look, uh, and, and I don't have a graph to show you, but if you look at like a, a chart and, and you see three different types of assets, property, fixed income, and equity, and you look at China, uh, you know, let's go to America first. America has $34 trillion in property, Assets, forty-eight trillion in fixed income, and about forty-seven trillion in equities. You know, stocks. That's those are big numbers. And then if you go to Japan, I mean, just to see how small everybody else is, Japan had in their number three, ten ten trillion in fixed income or in property. Excuse me, fourteen trillion in fixed uh, uh, income and seven percent in equity stocks. China's property market is now with uh, it's, it's estimated at 62 trillion for property, only 19 trillion in fixed uh, income and 13 percent in equities. Joe, their property is 62 trillion, and listen to this: 62 trillion. Well, because you just gave out a lot of numbers, so so that's double the U.S. property market, or is it more than that? Uh, it's it's more than double. So so when the housing market went uh, and blew up in two thousand eight, the U.S. housing market when it blew up was twenty five trillion. It's now sitting at thirty four trillion. They're more than double where uh, the whole uh, blow up in two thousand eight started. More than double. It, it, and again, you got to remember, a lot of these are in dollars. These loans are in dollars. 
Uh, the, yes. You know, who knows? It's going to be very interesting to find out uh, which U.S. banks uh, are potentially uh, vulnerable to this. Well, check uh, this out. And, and again, check this out, uh, Joe. Their housing, their housing market is sixty-two trillion. It's fifteen trillion more than our entire stock market, which is massive. Their housing assets are fifteen trillion now, right now, more than our our stock market, which everyone knows. If the stock market crashes, is chaos throughout the world. Listen to this: sixty-two trillion, which is their their housing asset level. It's twenty-nine percent of China's GDP. In the U.S. Yeah, that $34 trillion, that's only 6.2% of our GDP. When this thing goes, Joe, it's 29% of China's GDP. It's a Ponzi scheme. Uh, for example, uh, Fantasia, another one of their large housing uh, developers, uh, is, is defaulting. Or they're, they're not making payments on $100 million in loans from the biggest one, which is uh, Country Garden in China. They have loans. The uh, 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 Evergrande, Fantasia, Country Garden, these housing uh, companies in China, they're all leveraged in each other's stock. It's a complete Ponzi scheme, Joe. It's the biggest bubble ever. It's, it's, it's going to – and here's the funny thing. Guess what China did in 2020? They have this thing called the three red lines. Have you seen this? They put this in place last year as a way of paying back debt and basically, it's it's the pin to prick the bubble. It's it's almost like they, they purposely want this thing to happen. In 2020, they put the three red lines, which tells you how much uh, debt you have and how much repayment you can or can't make, and how much how much loans, how many how much borrowing you can do. The way this housing market works, Joe, by the time you're building an actual building, you're already got that money into the next building project and the next building project and the next building project. By putting the three red lines in place. They they basically said you're you're done doing that, you're you're screwed. We just and we just screwed you. That's that's what's happening in China, Joe. China is actually well. That's what I've heard, and I I've heard this uh, a lot that the Chinese government wants this to happen. They they want uh, to rein in the uh, the speculators, if you will, and rein in housing prices uh, because just like here, they it's the same thing. Housing's gotten ridiculous in, in China, and and so the Chinese government is trying to uh, lower housing prices and housing costs, and and uh, I and again I don't think they care. Nope. Right now, uh, so what if everybody goes bust? Well, you know, we, this is what we want, and in the long run. Uh, we're the Chinese communist government, and we can do what we want, and and everything's going to be fine, and somebody else is going to be left holding the bag. But here's the bigger thing. So outside of who's going to pay and this and that and the other, because that's one side of it. If China's GDP goes negative, which is what Goldman Sachs's worst case scenario is this is going to be you know when we talk about listen we know there's the whole world's got bubbles going and all of these things and and we know uh, you know we'll use goldman sachs as an example they've been lowering u.s gdp now uh seemingly ad infinitum every about every 15 days they lower the number and lower the number and lower the number uh if if this is true 
and the U.S. is is potentially setting up for for some form of a recession, and at the same time, uh, China's housing market crashes. This thing could get ugly. Absolutely, and remember the Goldman Sachs worst case scenario. The, the September numbers I just gave you are already worse than their worst case scenario. They they already shot too low, Joe. The September numbers are thirty. Which is what they always do, right? Yeah, I mean, this is common, right? By 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 the time they're telling you we're adjusting the numbers down, right? The, the downturns already happened. They're reacting uh, to numbers that that have already come out. That's why they're lowering uh, those projections. And normally, what we see is uh, there's a a, a whole. Like multiple rounds of lowering uh, as more and more data comes out. So I, I, I think you're right. I think this is just the early stages here. Uh, it really could make anything, any slowdown here in the U.S. will get even worse because of what's happening in China. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back. 800-951-0592. Patriot Radio News Hour. Joe Jaquin, Jason Walker here on this Tuesday, and we're just touching the Chinese market. It's important. Never, and I mean never, in the last, let's say, since the conclusion of World War II, has there been another economy that's, you know, on, on par or on scale of what, the U.S. economy is, you know, and, and and again, you hear, you'll hear, oh, it's the second largest economy in the world, referring to China, and and when you do it in dollar terms, there's like a four trillion dollar difference, you know. So you know, let's just call our economy about twenty one trillion uh, in dollar terms. The Chinese is about seventeen trillion. Just to give you perspective, the Japanese economy's third large. It's only five trillion. So it, there's a huge. It's it's first and second in nobody else, essentially. Yep. yep. And of course, if you forget about dollars, because you know, let's face it, our our inflated dollar right now. In terms of stuff, in terms of consumption, China's actually bigger than us. And we know, you know, and whether, uh, and everyone differs, but probably in the next, say, five, six years, give or take, China will pass us in, in dollar terms as well, and they'll be the biggest economy, no matter how you measure it. But now, all of a sudden, we need to pay a lot more attention to what's happening over in these Chinese markets, because... If China's GDP, and we talked about this the other day, you know, listen, they're like clockwork. Somewhere between 6 and 7% quarter after quarter, year after year. If we're going to see a number even remotely close to zero, and heaven forbid a number that goes negative, that's going to have massive implications uh, not only for for 
the rest of the world, but for, for us right here at home. You know, it used to be if, uh, if we got the sniffles, the rest of the world got a cold. Right, Joe. Yep. Right? Now we're talking about, wait a minute, we're not talking about sniffles in China. Mm-mm. Right? We're talking about, hey, China's got a full-blown uh, flu. You know, I don't want you know the coronavirus analogy. I don't want to make it, but you you see what Jason is referring to here, and we have no idea how the Chinese government is 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 going to to deal with this. But I want to bring out and and Wall Street on parade. Uh, if you guys don't follow the Martins, you need to. They are. You know, everyone's got different things. You know, like Wolf Richter. I talk about Wolf Street and how detailed his research is. And he's really, really, really strong, like on on car markets and inflation and things of that nature. Uh, Zero Hedge. They're really, really, really good at picking uh, all these different articles from from really great people that do a lot of research and reposting and, and giving uh, context. And then, of course, when Zero Hedge does some of their own stuff, the research is fantastic. The Martins, Wall Street on parade. No one does better research in my, that I've seen. I, if, I, if, if there is, I don't know who it is. But when it comes... To the central bank and, and our actual own banks. I'm going to read you their headline uh, from their latest uh, posting. The U.S. banking system is more dangerous today than it was in 1929 thanks to the Fed's what they call reg you and swaps. Two well-kept secrets from the Senate Banking Committee. And, of course, the Senate Banking Committee, it's kind of a joke. right? The, the Senate Banking Committee is supposed to be our government's oversight of the Fed. And as Jason will tell you, the Fed is unique. It's not beholden to, to the government. Right, Jason? It's a private company uh, for its its own profit. That's all it's uh, there for is to do what any company does. It's it's to help our stockholders and our rich guys that own us. Let me just read you the first sentence. Regulation U, which I will tell you into, until today, I've never heard of it. It's a 1936 Federal Reserve rule, probably why I never heard of it, that is still in force today that allows federally insured, taxpayer-backstopped commercial banks to make margin loans for speculating in stocks. So, in other words, as we know, our banks heavily in the stock markets, the bond markets, and are allowed allowed to use margin loans 
to speculate in stocks. Unlike 1936, however, Wall Street trading houses are allowed to own their own federally insured, taxpayer-backstopped commercial banks. In other words, we can use margin to buy uh, to, to, to buy our own stock, essentially. That has allowed for a lot of mischief to occur in the making of margin loans for speculated in the stock market. Following the 1929 stock market crash, 9,096 banks that were holding deposits for average Americans failed as a result of insolvency. So now we've got, now think about this, 9,096 banks failed, of course. There was probably 9,000 that didn't fail, but about half of them failed or so. Today, we've only got about 4,000 banks. And, and we know that this Fed coin is coming, and they're going to revamp the banking industry as we know it. And how many banks are going to be left after this next one? We'll be back with the Martins right after this. 800-951-0592, Patriot Radio News Hour. Jason Walker and Joe Jaquin here. We're talking about Wall Street on Parade, uh, the Martins, and another great uh, article saying, hey, our banks are far from safe. And, of course, Jason and I have been saying, we, we get the feeling the next one, we're, the number of banks is going to shrink dramatically again. And, and we've seen this pattern. And and a lot of you, and, and one of these days, I'll have Jason, one of these days, he'll do a show uh, about the creation of the Federal Reserve and really what it was intended to do, which was what happened when they closed the banks and then 9,000 banks didn't reopen. This was all about eliminating competition. Yep. And, and that's exactly what uh, the major banks did and are, are, have been doing uh, and are going to getting ready to do again here with the power of the Federal Reserve. Uh, but we're, we are talking about Regulation U and more trading on margin. When you dig into it, the big banks, they do the most of it in dollar terms. But they've got huge deposits. I mean, massive deposit. This is kind of why, you know, and of course, remember when they shut the banks the last time, everyone lost their money because there was no FDIC insurance. When they reopened them, they came up with this FDIC insurance, which was at $1,000 in 1933, by the way. It's now at 250000 Of course, Jason and I will laugh and tell you uh, how ridiculous that number truly is. Because when you, where you, if you go and look, where 90% of all the deposits are, they're only in 10 banks. And they have deposits of trillions of dollars. Trillions. So the FDIC's fund only has like 30 or $40 billion in it. So it can't possibly even insure 
what they claim that they're able to do. Uh, but you know what's funny, Jason? They they bring up. Do you know why they got uh, rid of Glass Steagle? Man, I <laughs> you caught me off guard. It was a merger. That's right. Yeah. Between what was it? Travelers Insurance and yep. uh, who was it? man? I, I the yeah. other company. It it escapes me. But they wanted to merge a couple of financial institutions. But that was going to break uh, the Glass-Steagall Act, which prevented banks from getting too big. Yep. See, up until the the late 90s, FDIC insurance actually had some credibility. Because the banks weren't allowed to be so big. But they knew with more, look out, you know, they make a lot of money on mergers. And so they re- had, you know, tricked the Congress into allowing uh, Glass-Steagall to go away. So they can merge into these mega banks. But here's the problem that they found about Regulation U. They're like, hey, it's really not that big of a deal uh, in these bigger banks. You know, and they bring up, you know, J.P. Morgan, and they bring up B of A, and they're doing billions of dollars in this stuff. But they've got trillions of dollars of deposits, so it's not it's not that bad. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be something where you're like, holy cow. But where they found the problem, Jason, is in all these smaller banks still left out there. And they're saying, hey, these banks, they may have 5, 10, 15 billion dollars, 20 billion dollars in deposits. The pro, or, uh, but their leverage loans are almost equal to their actual deposits, Jason. Right. Yep, and that's a problem. Which just means the next crash, this next stock market crash, these banks are going to be insolvent. Yep. Small. And so I'm sitting. You Joe, know, Joe, small businesses across. Joe, if you go even beyond banks, it's, it's the industries, whether it be media or be uh, whatever, all the small businesses are, are sitting in the same position. The bigger fish are getting ready to swallow them up, Joe. And, and this is the banking industry is no different. In fact, it's probably worse. Yeah, and so as the Martins say, hey, you know what? The big banks, at least on paper, and when it comes to this one part doesn't look, you know, out of whack. It's all the other two, three thousand, four thousand other banks that have the problem. And again, it just kind of almost like it makes sense here. You know, it's almost like finding that piece to the puzzle you've been looking for uh, to complete that section. There's that one piece, and you're like, why can't I find? And you put it, and they're like, uh oh. Because we've just been speculating for the last few weeks that we think the next crash, there's going to be a huge reduction in banks in America. And all of a sudden, the Martins come out and say, hey, by the way, no one's looking here. Regulation you. But when you look at 
the smaller banks, the other 4,000 banks? We got a problem here. And how heavily leveraged they are. Uh, which just means, right, they're the next ones to fall, Jason. Yep, and uh, that's why they call it too big to fail on those bigger banks, Joe, because uh, we know who's going to get bailed out when things get bad. Too big to fail. Too big to fail is right. Patriot Radio News Hour, final segment coming up. 800-951-0592, Patriot Radio News Hour. Uh, gold's up 7, 1762. Silver's kind of floating around uh, the flat line here at 2260. Uh, the Dow is up 20 right now, up 20 right now, uh, as they're trying to avoid another day of losses. We just had a terrible three-year treasury auction. Uh, Jason, foreign demand uh, just disappearing, and we're seeing this problem uh, in the treasury markets uh, over and over and over again. Uh, the they're starting to get uh, really short, uh, cold feet at the short end. Uh, with the you know waiting on the Fed, are they going to taper? Are they not going to taper? It doesn't matter. One way or the other, uh, the the other shoe is getting ready to drop. Uh, today I've got uh, man, not much. I hate to say it, U.S. $20 gold pieces, uh, $2,095. And I do have, I've got about 75 of those at that price. Uh, then, then it goes up from there. I've got some U.S. $5 liberties at $590. Uh, and once again, Jason, really just a, a bizarre market. Uh, $10 uh, gold pieces have just disappeared. Uh, so the the first price point that I have actually available in ten dollar gold, uh, you're looking at almost eleven hundred bucks. Yeah, that sounds you know logical. <laughs> you know, it, it's going to get harder and harder to get this stuff, and uh, when the spot price starts to resemble more of the physical market, then the premiums may come down some. But I think the premiums may have a, a little more room to flex the muscle, Joe, because it's just it's just not making sense. Yeah, we talked about Southwest Airlines yesterday. Is this going to spread damage control trying to be done again today? Uh, their CEO was out on TV today talking about, you know, Texas passed an, a, a, the governor an, exes, a, an executive order prohibiting any entity from imposing that vaccine mandate. And, of course, Southwest headquartered in Texas. Their CEO said he was never in favor of corporations imposing these kind of mandates, but he said that the executive order from President Biden mandating all federal employees and federal contractors, which covers all the major airlines, that he no longer has a choice. But my question, Jason, is I don't believe that was an executive order. And he's always got a choice when it comes to private business or a supposed private business, Joe. He has a choice. It's just, it's just, there's just no intestinal fortitude in this country for people to stand up. And uh, uh, all the people that have that intestinal fortitude are leaving these jobs now, Joe, and uh, leaving us with no choice when it comes to what we can do around these corporations. Yeah, and a big, uh, big picture, one of the cockpits of a uh, Southwest uh, plane was flying the 
don't tread on me flag. Uh, but as the news media continues to report that uh, they're denying this was all of the issues there were about vaccine mandates, just so you know, legally the union has to say that because uh, it's part of their contract. Uh, but uh, again, I don't think anybody's buying that either, Jason. Well, Brian said something really scary on the afternoon show. Uh, what if one of these planes crash in the midst of all this, Joe? Then what happens with all the finger pointing? You're right. Let's not even go there. 800-951-0592. God bless everybody. Listen, Jason and I are coming right back with a half-empty cup of Joe. 